What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Jack of All. Uh, there's a phrase that I thought about the other day, and I had some thoughts, so we'll try to flesh out a little bit here. Um, but it was the bottom 10%. There's actually going to be a paper or a book or something that I wrote sometime on this concept, but um, I just started thinking about the bottom 10% of anything, you know? What are the stigmas attributed to the bottom 10%? Uh, That can be, you know, the bottom 10% of the class, right, in school. What do you think of when you think of that? Or just you, your bottom 10% of your product or output. Um, It just seems like the bottom 10% seems to never have hit its potential, you know, the bottom 10% never makes the newspaper, it's brushed aside, it's ignored, um, the limelight is always on the best, you know? Um, and what becomes of the bottom 10%? Probably, probably given up on, it's probably a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, think of the bottom 10% of school, maybe that was you in high school, you were in the bottom 10%. How did you feel? You know, you knew how the top 10% looked and was treated and felt. How did you feel as a bottom 10%? Probably not celebrated, right? You're probably dismissed. And trust me, I, I wasn't Dean's List either. And my high school in Austin, Westwood High School, was consistently in the top 50 academic high schools in America. And so, though I never really felt it, um, nobody ever said it, and I loved my teachers, and they loved me, and they did write by me, uh, despite the fact that I was an awful student, <laughs> I did recognize that I was not the pride and joy of the school, you know? That to be top 50 in the nation, you have to have an image. You've got to have a standard. And I was not like the glowing example of success by any stretch in uh, in our school. And it's the top 10%, right? Not the bottom 10%. That is the American dream. It's the top 10 on SportsCenter that you want to end up on. And here's what I really want to talk about. When it comes to vulnerability... When it comes to the stuff that you've wrestled with and been through in your life, how much do you share? How much do you share about your struggles? How much do you share about your fears? How much do you share about your screw-ups? And they're connected, just bear with me here. Because I would guess what we all share is just enough to use the word vulnerable, right? But we aren't really. Um, If we share 40% of the stuff that we struggle with, we are still very much in control. We know what we're sharing, we know what we're not sharing, and we are still crafting a narrative about ourselves. We can kind of construct the context for our screw-ups, and we can just create this world that shifts blame, and allows for sympathy, and so uh, we are so in control of the our vulnerability to the point where it's not even vulnerability. 
It's just controlling a narrative. And here was my original thought uh, about that 10% was, I'll bet that everybody has a bottom 10%. And I'm talking about like the worst stuff that you've done. Like the your shame meter is off the scale, just all that terrible stuff. Uh, one of my favorite stand-up comics is Louis C.K. And I always kind of envied him because it seemed like he would just say whatever on stage. And it was always really self-deprecating and inappropriately honest. And I thought, wow, imagine having that sort of honesty on stage. Unbelievable. He's just totally vulnerable up there. Well... Then the allegations came out, and I thought, dang, man, he's got a bottom 10%, right? And you can can feign vulnerability and honesty, but people have that bottom 10%. But the reason that we hide the bottom 10% is uh, because of our conceptions of the bottom 10% of anything, right? What, What we subconsciously felt about the bottom 10% of our class in high school or in college, including if we were a part of it. You know, that's not the proud stuff. That's not what gets you fans. That's not, that's the stuff you try to forget, right? Your bottom 10% is the embarrassing, shameful, not living up to our potential percent, you know? And the reason why I thought this concept was so interesting is it almost exactly defines my misconception of Christianity growing up. Here's what I thought. I thought God wants your top 10%, right? If we're going to make a commercial about God or about church, it's the top 10%. It should be sports center top 10 list, man, right? It's the home run and then point to the sky, that's that's what shows off God. That's the good stuff, man. Do you know that there are Christian millionaires out there? Let's show those guys. Way to go, God. Um, I gave a sermon once using a house analogy, and I was saying that if we were going to have people over, that we'd probably we'd clean up our house, we'd invite people in, and we would show off what? If you had a dinner party at your house, what would you make sure to clean up? Uh, what would you show off? You'd show off your good dishes, right? You'd have everything meticulous and vacuumed. And chances are, which there would be a huge one in our house, is just a big old mess that we'd gather it all up and we'd throw it in an upstairs room that nobody would be allowed in, you know, except a few really good friends. And you would show those few good friends the room upstairs just for the appearance of vulnerability right? We show our friends that room and make a comment about it. Like, I don't even care if you see this room, man. I mean, you know me. It's just me, right? Sorry, I'm not sorry. I'm just, I'm going to be real here. But that's not vulnerability. It's crafting a narrative. It's being in control because even deeper than the upstairs bedroom is the basement, And sorry, it's a Midwest analogy here. I know not everybody has basements. Um, And this is a little extended metaphor warning here. But um, the basement is filth, right? In the analogy, the basement is wretched. 
The basement hasn't been cleaned or visited in forever because honestly, it's just too gross to even think about. You feel dirty just going down there. Uh, the basement is your bottom 10%. And we are terrified that somebody is going to see our bottom 10%. So we don't take anybody near it, right? We don't even show anybody around it because if you get near it, then people can ask questions about it. And so you got to steer the convo in a different direction. And now you're using brain space to make sure people don't go close enough to your basement to ask questions. And so now you're a control freak because you got to take control of the tour and steer the tour where you want it to go. To the things that are impressive because, you know, that's what people want to see anyway. So, and this is patronizing, but in the metaphor, man, you just, you don't want anybody to ever prod around the stuff that you've screwed up. And you want to be in full control of what pieces you're vulnerable with. And so you feel like you have to control the conversations, especially when it starts getting dicey, to make sure that it doesn't get too close to the real stuff. And quick, let's deflect and quick, let's change the subject or quick, let's talk about you. And all of a sudden, you are using a lot of focus and a lot of brain space to ensure that you are controlling how clean and with it you look. That is the house analogy. And so, um, yeah, that was my, that was my perception uh, of Christianity was saying, look at all these people with their lives together, man. And if you're a good Christian and if you do things the right way, and if you love God, then maybe you too can have a house that is that clean. And I was like, okay, well, time to, time to vacuum every day and, uh, Time to, you know, hide the mess and control the narrative and invite friends over and show off the right things. Um, but that is when, I'm not sure at what age, maybe maybe even in the Air Force, uh, something turned it all around for me when it came to Christianity. Uh, all of a sudden, it wasn't the pipe dream promise of a problem-free free life, excuse me. Wasn't the pipe dream promise of a problem-free life, you know? Like, um, it wasn't an unattainable perfection. That wasn't the goal. It wasn't the hope of a millionaire lifestyle. Um, really, it was the fact that I was loved despite my basement. Um, it was that God loved me with my bottom 10%. Um, I, I've shared the story before, but when I was in the air force, I was just, a absolute train wreck. And I was going out and getting blackout drunk every night. And, um, I had this one moment where I was in my little dorm room there and I was trying to pray to God. Um, I felt awkward doing it and I kind of dropped to my knees a little bit. It was a really, really honest and vulnerable moment. And there was a mirror, full-length mirror in my room. And I could not look myself in the eye. I don't know. I just felt so much shame and embarrassment for where I was. 
and um, I'm not going to say audibly because it wasn't audibly, but it was for sure supernatural. I, I heard or felt God saying, look up. And so I looked up and I'm just, I got tears just down my face and um, I sat there at, and looked at my reflection and I began to say everything. I, I, cheesy metaphor, but cleaned out the basement. And I started saying all the stuff that I was too afraid to say to anybody else. Um, I used all the words I was terrified to use. Uh, the gross stuff, the shameful stuff, everything. For about 40 minutes, I was just, I mean, scraping out my soul saying everything and I got to the end and I was just weeping like uncontrollably and I don't know what I expected but here's what I got I'm looking in my reflection and just as much as clearly as I could hear God tell me at the beginning to look up I hear this voice say I am so proud of you I'm so proud of you Dude, I am so proud of you, my son. And I was like, man, in the face of all of my most horrible actions and confessions and, you know, shameful everything, God spoke this word of value and love and comfort that I did not expect. And um, <laughs> I just... To use this analogy, I realized I just kept vacuuming the carpet to show God, to show off. Hey, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. Check God. Did you see the carpet? Hey, did you see the new dishes? Huh? What do you think? And in that moment, he said, son, man, being my child, is it's not about having your carpet vacuumed. It is about being willing to show me your basement. It's about being willing to trust me with that part and... Um, that was not, even though that uh, that was a vulnerable moment, the idea of being honest and vulnerable with God, I'm still not there. That takes time. It takes trust. Um, it takes surrender, you know, surrender of control like we talked about and surrender of presentation. <laughs> I had to surrender this narrative that I've crafted about myself and, and die to that. And realize that the percentage of our crap that we don't share uh, and the percentage that we don't show God shows really almost equivocally the percentage of trust that we have in his love, right? The percentage of stuff that we don't share with him, we don't trust that his love is greater than that. And so you can almost quantify percentage-wise, your trust of God. And we'll tell him the things that you know we think are little and not a big deal. We'll trust him with that stuff, but not the gross stuff, man. Not the stuff outside of this narrative that we've created. So anyway, today isn't really a call to action at all. Uh, I'm not saying that you got to run out and tell everybody your bottom 10%. In fact, don't do that. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, instead, Maybe just know that, um, I don't know, what your faith journey looks like or 
what role religions played in your life or if God is a concept that is close or not to you. But when people try to say that the Christian life is having their house looking nice and stashing their mess away in an upstairs bedroom and presenting themselves, um, it's, it's not. That's not what it is. Uh, that is a gross misconception of grace and about what God wants. Uh, the most beautiful, compelling part of our God is not that he makes our living room beautiful. It's that his love and his grace and his mercy declare us forgiven and declare us righteous in the face of our filthy basement. Um, that, that is why my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. It's because my basement is filthy and continues to be. And there are things that I cannot believe that I've done. And if I had to hide that and present uh, a different person, then life isn't worth living. It's just a fake life. And so, in a fit of honesty and in a spirit of vulnerability, I continue uh, rhythmically every so often to make sure I get in front of a mirror and I clean out my basement. And it's not because it's a ritual that I need to do. It's because I'm always surprised that in the face of confessing these horrible things, I hear the message I don't expect. And it's, I'm proud of you. And I still love you. And I'm so thankful that you would trust me enough to show me your basement. So I hope you guys have an awesome day. uh, That this is a little bit of encouragement and inspiration. And we'll try again tomorrow.